Hi, I'm Charles Gossier, President and CEO of the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association. We're proud to sponsor the Coping with COVID-19 daily podcast series this month. Thanks, everyone, and stay strong. I'm Tyler Orton, and before we get to today's interview, here's some of the top stories we're following at Business in Vancouver. Ottawa has reached a deal with the provinces worth $4 billion to provide essential workers with a wage top-up. The federal government will cover 75% of the cost, while it will be up to the provinces to distribute the money and decide who qualifies. And one of British Columbia's largest ARVR companies is being acquired by an American firm. Terms of the deal involving Finger Food Advanced Technology Group were not disclosed, but the new owner, Unity Technologies, says it plans to retain all 200-plus workers. That's it for now. Time for our interview. So some pretty brutal April numbers for the real estate sector in British Columbia and Greater Vancouver in particular. This is coming amid the pandemic. And joining us to break it down, it's Dane Idle. He is the founder and lead analyst of Idle Insights. Welcome back to the show, Dane. Tyler, always a privilege whenever you get a chance to chat. So I think a lot of people are wondering, you know, we have a lot of sense of optimism, even in a white hot market like Greater Vancouver, but was this pandemic kind of a black swan event that maybe just accelerated a trend that could have inevitably hit the market? Or is this just like a freak occurrence that is going on right now? You know what, that's why we love using the data and the technical indicators, analytical interpretation. I mean, if you think about it, this market cycle that we are in, we predicted in 2017 in our first uh, initial publishing with Western Investor that this would last until 2021. CIBC just came out the other day with their forecasts. They've joined the party. Uh, for a long time, we were in that party by ourselves. Now we're getting it, uh, the room's filling up. So what's interesting about the technical charting, it does identify pricing thresholds that a market cycle will need to test before it can move off. This market cycle had to test 1.4 before it could ever evolve out of this current cycle. We never did test that. And what's interesting, you know, during 2017-18, when people finally were con- convinced that the market was not going to continue to run away, they believe that was the new bottom, which in our charts is the middle threshold, right at 1.60 million. That held until it didn't. Pricing thresholds are very akin to a camel's back. You know, you can put a great load on it, stress it multiple times, but one extra straw and the price point will be broken. So 2017-18 held at 1.6. Uh, until it didn't, 2019 inevitably tested 1.5, which is the lower end of that threshold. What um, we believed everybody kind of conveniently forgot or, or the optimists choose, choose to ignore was a stress test. Uh, 2018, they basically uh, slashed your purchasing power by 20%. The market had to come down 20% for you to be able feasibly to purchase again. The market was down 18 19% at 1.50. So that, that was that instance for purchasing, and, and we had suggesting selling into this strength because this market cycle was not done. Earlier with you on your show, we, we did in, indicate that this was an economic recession coming up. Uh, coronavirus definitely uh, enhanced it, uh, but in my personal opinion, we were th- this was a, 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 a false per- uh, perceived optimism. It, it wasn't a long-lasting market, and that's why we were advising to always sell in. It's not like the stock market where you can be in and out within a few months. Real estate, it's a longer-term game. 
So we'll, we'll look for 1.40 million to be tested here in 2020, as we've predicted long, long time ago. Uh, also, something that we've mentioned on your show, uh, due to this coronavirus, maybe it is an exponential loss. Um, and, and as we've said, uh, 1.225 million could be in the pricing cards in the future. And that would be historic, sending us down to a previously established and finished off cycle back in basically 2014 prices. So that'll send the market back down there if this coronavirus has an even greater impact than the charts had already basically prescribed. Because again, we, we called the market top, the analytics called the market top before the government change here in BC, before the foreign buyers tax and, and before the stress test. So char charting really does uh, forecast a, a lot of inevitable fundamental realities that it doesn't necessarily have a name for, but it does predict them. Well, I'm wondering if you can break down some of the latest data that we got with regards to April, because some people might point to where the numbers are compared with the start of the year. But I think right. always the important thing is to look at where they were a year previous. Yeah, a year previous, we're actually down uh, from where we were in April. I believe last year, April, we were around 1,620,000 or so. But what's interesting, March, we saw that that real run up in the average sale price of 100000 and we basically erased that uh, gain. So we're right back down to $1.60 million. What's interesting for me, um, you know, th there's some talk about a quick recovery. So let's just take our old reality at versus our new reality. We'll deal with our old reality here for a little while. Um, 2016 was the initial peak at 1.25 million. May of 2017 confirmed it at 1.830 million for the detached housing market. So psychologically, they said, okay, maybe it's not running away anymore, but we can live in a higher threshold between 1.6 and 1.8 million. Then it went down to, and you and I spoke, you know, it seemed like the high-end car sales were coming off and the economic recession was about to begin. Um, then it came down to 1.50. The market worked its way back up, but that was given old realities. Given this new reality, in my mind, I perceive that there's no way that it can hold where it was tested previously, given how bad our outlook is going forward. I have to ask you, though, what kind of pressure are sellers facing at this very moment with regards to just needing access to capital if that comes up? Absolutely. That, that, that will be a major crux of why you'll see uh, basically a ramp up in the inventory coming up. Right now, we're still dealing with the social distancing that's going to be relinquished here in the next week or two um, to a certain degree. And, and you'll see the inventory start to come up. What's, what's interesting, as you correctly point out, there is a need for capital. So if you were an investor in the stock market the last two years, you basically got zero gains. You're, you're, you're negative um, from the overall market. Uh, so, you, so you say, okay, I can work my way out of this. I'll pick up extra shifts. Well, well the shop or, or, or the store is closed. You, can, you, you literally can't even work your way out of this. So the national government gives you two grand. Well, in greater Vancouver, that's just enough money to keep going broke. You'll, you'll, you know, I mean, that's no money to live here. So um, you will be forced to sell your assets, the cars, the condos, the houses, uh, and that will be an inevitable reality. Not to mention uh, 2016, again, was that initial peak. In 2021, not too far distance, January, February, March, they're going to be dealing with their five-year mortgage renewals. If your average purchase price was at $1.825 million, and let's say that we're correct, which we have been so far, and it's down at $1.40 roughly, That'll be a difficult conversation. You know, that's 23% down and $430,000 of equity out of the property. Now, it would not be fun if I didn't ask you to bring out some sort of crystal ball and make some sort of forecast. But, I mean, sure. how long do you anticipate potentially we could be facing a market kind of like this? And have we even reached the bottom at this point? 
Yeah, so I mean, we will be in this for for the longer period of time. I, I'm not a believer that 2021 will see a, a V-shaped recovery or even a Santa Claus rally towards the end of the year. Uh, I mean, if you believe that there's a, a second wave of this coming during the next flu season, um, that, that that's going to hurt the market as well. Even if it doesn't, I, I think there's a new normal. Um, I think you'll always see kind of people walking around with masks, maybe the elderly people not going out and shopping as often, and it'll just be a change in the world, at least for the next few years. None of which is a positive for sellers, um, all of which is a positive for buyers. Uh, and, and you, again, will see that need for capital, as you correctly pointed out, which will cause that imbalance between the supply demand factors, which had started to favor the sellers in 2019, just due to that two year pent up demand that the government said, hang on, you can't purchase. We're going to erode 20 percent of your power. When prices go down, you can purchase again. So and again, as we pointed out with you before, once that um, kind of uh, buoy is gone from the market because they've already purchased, there's no investors, there's nobody else coming, stepping into that market to replace that demand. So now you'll just see a, an increase in supply and, and prices will inevitably fall when you see that competition among sellers. So what do you make then of what the Bank of Canada's decision to do to cut and cut and cut the overnight rate? Is that just not going to be enough to spark enough capital uh, needed to get into the market? I, I don't believe so. Uh, I mean, that's honestly, if you have money, it's great that you can get cheap money now. Um, but if you're if you're struggling, the cheap money isn't even accessible to you. And, and that's kind of that misnomer, maybe um, with the government trying to help you out. The government's giving you two thousand dollars. But now all we're hearing is reports of people getting fined eight hundred and fifty dollars for being out of their houses. Right. So they give with one hand and maybe they take with the other. Uh, that that's just uh, maybe a personal belief. But um, yeah, it, it, it's not the overnight change in, in, in interest rates will not be enough to mitigate a 23% loss of your overall equity from 2016 till 2021. If I'm a buyer right now, I don't know, is this month the time to start looking? Should I be holding off until, I don't know, maybe the economy fully absorbs the shock of all this? And that could be maybe a few months from now. It's just hard to tell. I don't know. What's your take? Yeah, um, that, that's I, I, exactly what I tell Insights Offers. I mean, with our charting, we, we do offer you timing of the market, uh, just as we were prescribing in 2017, saying, hey, this is the upper threshold. We actually do offer technical charting for the individual areas, Coquitlam, North Vancouver, and on and on. What we offer to the public is the Greater Vancouver chart. The Greater Vancouver chart is very much in the middle. It's only down 13% from the peak. And, and again, we have a, the, you know, a guaranteed, in our opinion, test of 1.4 coming up. So that's an additional 10% from where we are currently with the possibility of it going even lower than that. So on an overall basis, there's no impetus or no rush for you to go out and purchase. Uh, another interesting thing um, that's not really reported all that often is because the board gives out the data. The sales data that just came out in April was historically low. I mean, we have, we're talking decades low. And it was actually 393 sales in the month of April. Now, what's interesting about the sales, those are recorded from land titles. They're not actually accepted offers. The accepted offers in the given month is how we get our average sale price. The number total number of sales is from land titles. So in reality, those are from two or three months ago, which kind of shows an interesting sign that maybe the market was falling off on its own volition and this coronavirus was an extra kick. Um, and, and, and what goes even more negative towards the future is April's accepted offers were just over 200, coming from 700 in March, 800 in February, and 600 in January. So the outlook... Not positive. Yeah, one of the things that we've brought up on the show before, though, is just the HPI. And I'm wondering if you can speak to what's going on there right now compared with 
you know, the other data that you have. Yeah, with reality. (laughs) Okay. Um, We'll we'll try to make this uh, fairly concrete and and evidential uh, as best we can. So the real estate board has has chosen to live and die by their HPI. The HPI is the house pricing index. Um, Now, they offer the average sale price. That's That's how I get it. It's from the real estate board. But they've chosen to quote the HPI. The HPI inevitably lags the actual average sale price, which is what's currently going on in the market. They try to make it look like the market's always lukewarm, when sometimes in reality it's hot, other times it's cold. Um, So just to kind of say for a prediction or an indicating price point, the HPI during 2008 um, didn't peak until August of 2008. The average price peaked in February. So you're behind the market. You don't have a chance to time it correctly when you're using a lagging indicator. And that's a bad example. I'll give you the worst example that we could come up with, which was the 2011 to 2014 market cycle. During May of 2011, the average sale price initially peaked. The HPI didn't peak until April of 2012, a full year later. Not only that, but when the HPI was peaking, the average sale price was bottoming. So the HPI, the board was saying, telling you the market's hot. In reality, it was literally cold. So you know they, they, you, you will continually time the market wrong if you follow the HPI advice. One other interesting yeah, thing about HPI. Got to be wary about this sort of stuff. I, I, like, I think that's what we need to emphasize, right? Absolutely. But, uh, continue. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and what's interesting, during a good month, when we'll report, hey, like during March, the average sale price was up 100,000. First time it tested 1.709 million in years. And we were saying sell into this perceived strength. Well, the board could not quote the HPI because it's lagging. So it didn't show a positive indicator. They'll say, hey, sales are up. But they can't actually use their own price point. Uh, an, another media friend of mine said, you know, well, this seems to differ from yours. I said, that's because they're using the HPI. What's interesting is they have the data. They just choose to ignore it. And, and they said, well, it, they, they say that it closely follows the average price. Well, why would you use something that closely follows it rather than something that actually is? So, it, right. you know, it's interesting how they choose to uh, disseminate their data. And, and, and Probably in their defense, I mean, at the beginning of the year, they did tout uh, or they adopted 11% increase for the for the uh, 2020 market, and and that's obviously not coming to fruition. So maybe they just needed a little bit of time to get their spin correct. You know, maybe as we wrap up here, one of the things that I always like asking you about, though, is just uh, condos. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on the trajectory of condo market versus the trajectory of the detached market that we've been talking about most of our conversation. Yeah, the, the condo market, I mean, it, 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 our article coming up is going to be titled Sell in May and Go Away. And we don't mean go away for the summer months like the stock market alludes to. We mean for years. You can sell your condo property, take a vac- long-term vacation, use the money that you used to sell, come back and buy a condo, and it'll probably be about the same price even if you spent $100,000 on your vacation. Um, so right now, condo prices are at 661 They erased, again, March gains, were, which brought the market up to 699 um, again, t- t- testing the upper threshold, and now we're subsequently back down to the middle threshold. What's interesting about this, again, dealing with a camel's back or a pricing threshold, this is where the market spent five months or six months of its time, right at 660000 between 660 and 666 It wouldn't move out of a side of a 1% price range. That's definitely a divergent trend. It chose to go higher. It was a mistake by the market, and now it's corrected itself, and it will inevitably go lower. So currently we're at 661. Where this market bottoms is 525,000 on an average sale price. So, so we got a significant move to go, 18% lower from where we are. Um, and, and this market will will 
be hurt in a much different way than the detached market. Detached market will be about price. If you're properly priced, you will be able to accept a, a reasonable offer from whatever demand is left in the market. But you do have to be sharp with your pricing. The condo market is just going to be flooded with inventory. I mean flooded. We're already seeing sure. renters not paying their rent, landlords choosing to kick them out for whatever reason, not being uh, reasonable during these times, and, and they're going to put it back on the market. As we also said with you, when rental prices were at their high and everybody was saying it's going to go higher, market cycles exist. Rents were high. They're going to be coming off. That doesn't help the investor. So they'll have to sell some of these properties. And we got all these new inventory coming off from completions for in June 2017-18. Um, so that'll flood the market with brand new inventory. Dealing with this insurance issue that we have in the condo market, it, it'll be a, 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 a natural bias to purchase brand new properties because you won't have to deal with these insurance uh, issues as often because you have a 10-year warranty. So that'll diminish the resale values of an older building. So you'll have to drastically, and I mean drastically, cut your price just to get any attention. Um, once this market fleshes itself out, we're predicting 2021 to be its technical bottom and 2022 to be continually low, much like what we're saying for the detached market. Detached market, we're expecting a test of 1.40 million uh, in 2020 or 2020, and in 2021, we'll see hopefully some stabilization. If not, then we'll probably be going lower into that uh, next echelon lower at 1.225. But the condo market, it, it, it will really see kind of a, a, a tale of two stories. You'll have that resale side that'll just be crippled for a while um, <clears throat> until the market starts to bottom. And then you'll look at it and go, you know what? Why would I want this new property that was new and now is two years old and nobody's been able to purchase it? Uh, so what's up with that uh, versus this older building that maybe has brand new roof, new pipes, decent contingency, and it's 1,200 square feet. And you'll see that market reversal where it starts to go back. And, and then you'll see some investors come back into the condo market, pick up some elder buildings and, and renovate them, sell them for increased price. But that is not until 2023. So, uh, again, you wow. can sell in May and, and go away. Well, uh, Dane, I know that we'll be talking to you in the coming weeks and months as this just unfolds. It's going to have a big impact on the economy, not just the real estate market as well. So I look forward to chatting with you uh, down the road. Thank you, Tyler, very much for your time. I appreciate it. That's Dane Itell. He is founder and lead analyst at Itell Insights. And that's it for the show today. We'll, of course, be back tomorrow. But for now, go to BIV.com for all our latest stories. <laughs>